tell you what you're listening to. Welcome to Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio with Father Richard Simon. I'm here to answer your questions. Have a question? Give us a call. 1-888-914-9149. As any question you may have about the Lord, the faith, and the church, that's 1-888-914-9149. This is, in fact, a radio show called Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio. Welcome. <laughs> oh, another plunge into an hour of journalistic heaven knows what. <laughs> uh, you know, my computer decided to refresh itself just before the show. It, it's back now, but I thought, it's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. I, I promise you, it's good now. Let's pray. That always helps. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the nations by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same spirit to have right judgment in all things, and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan, all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. And Lord, while we got you on the line, I'd like to ask your blessing on little Miles. Miles is a, a little kid, three years old, who has been taken to the hospital emergency and with respiratory difficulty and and so many other people for the the wallers and all the people who've asked us for prayers and i ask you to bless bless them and bless all the people that we love we make this prayer in jesus name in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit all right let's open the big book on the coffee table you know the one bible that's it all right once again at the risk of being tedious, let us look over our our basic um, uh, Bible timeline of the Old Testament. Now, I, I want to jump in with this. We'll, we'll eventually get to the readings, I promise. Uh, but I am an early dater for the uh, for the book of uh, for, well for the Exodus. It is usual to put the Exodus around. 1250 BC. I put it at closer to 1450 BC, and I rounded off to 1500. Uh, why do why do I date it 200 years earlier than most real scholars? Because that's when the Bible says it happened. I think it's in the Book of Chronicles we read that uh, the Exodus was so many years before the founding of the Temple, uh, and there are references to the to the Exodus in. Uh, Egyptian history, despite what you might hear, there was an historian named Manetho, an Egyptian priest, who did a lot of spin about it. He wrote about a leprous people who were expelled from the country, that sort of thing. When you put it all together, it seems that the Exodus happened over a period of time. Um, I, I don't know. Don't don't believe a word of this. Just just listen to me speculate. Um, 
I suspect the book of Exodus telescopes the details into a, a, a more meaningful uh, hunk of time, which ancient histories did that sort of thing. Um, the sense of history uh, of times past is different than our sense of history, but I digress. I have no doubt the Exodus really happened. You can't explain uh, Israel without the Exodus, and and nobody revels in uh, the slavery of their ancestors, whereas the Bible does. So I have no doubt the Exodus happened. Now, the reason that scholars put it at 1250 is because they built the store city of Ramses. Well, the store city of Ramses existed centuries before Ramses the Great. The assumption is that the pharaoh of the Exodus was Ramses because they built the city of Ramses. The, uh, Ramses was famous for rebranding things and reworking them and then stamping his own name on them. Um, so the city of Ramses existed for centuries before uh, uh, the the actual um, renaming of it as Ramses. So it'd be it's like saying, when did the Dutch come to New York? Well, the Dutch didn't come to New York. They came to New Amsterdam. Well, it's the same thing. Yeah, yes and no. So that's why I date the Exodus as earlier than uh, scholars would. Uh, it's much more plausible, I think. Uh, but that said, let me go through this dating. Abraham, 2000 B.C. Exodus, Moses and the Exodus, 1500 B.C. David, and thus Solomon and the building of the temple, 1000 BC. Really, the temple was built, you know, 950 BC, but a thousand's close enough. Just remember it in increments of 500 years. And then in um, uh, the, the, uh, the temple is rebuilt around 500 BC, which means about 600 BC, um, actually 586. Uh, the, the, um, the kingdom of Judah is conquered and exiled by the Babylonians. The temple's destroyed. But we're, we're doing this in a way that's easy to remember, in 500-year increments. Now, uh, the specific period that we're talking about is, is a little hard to figure because we're going to get a little more precise here. King Cyrus of Persia allowed the Jews to return, and there's there's corroboration of that from other historical sources. Uh, I mentioned the the Cyrus cylinder, which talks about his returning the 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 images of the gods to their temples, that sort of thing. It seems to be related to his permission to the Jews to go back and rebuild, and that happened around oh, 540 BC. Uh, the temple is rebuilt under the leadership of Zerubbabel, a descendant of King David in 515 BC. And then we find almost a hundred years later, Ezra and Nehemiah are doing their work. Nehemiah, Ezra comes back to, to initiate reforms in Jerusalem. And there's no wall around Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a dangerous place. It's undefended and it's, 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 it's dicey to live there. Well, Ezra sends word to Nehemiah that we got problems here. Nehemiah is a court official in, in the Persian court, and he begs permission to go and uh, rebuild the walls of his city. And so he receives that permission uh, 
uh, to go and do that from, I think it was uh, the Emperor Artaxerxes. So around 425 B.C., a full, you know, 90 years after the rebuilding of the temple, uh, the walls of Jerusalem are built. And, uh, well, then that brings us to the period of the Maccabees, about 165 years before Christ, and then Jesus is born. So that's a basic timeline. And so we're we're dealing with something that it all sort of, at least for me, I, I don't know, I... I I like to get these dates straight because, well, for one thing, this is real history. These things really happened. But it just seems like it's all at once. And it's not all at once. Even the Acts of the Apostles, if you look at it, well, it, it boom, 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 it happened A, B, C, D. No, Paul didn't start his ministry for maybe 10 years after Pentecost. Uh, that that the the... The histories kind of uh, telescope these things. They they cram them all together. The reason to do that is the details that you want to to make the point of your story. But also, paper wasn't cheap. I mean, it might be that simple. So um, uh, I think it's good to 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 be aware of this. Yeah, voice emergency. There's no kinkos. Yeah, I didn't have Xerox machines, so you had to conserve paper. So at any rate, the um, uh, uh, the story of Ezra and Nehemiah that we're dealing with today in the book of the prophet Haggai, a great name, uh, uh, he, he says, you know, you've built your own houses and uh, my house lies in ruin. The first couple of years, the first thing they did was make sure that they were in good shape, but they didn't, they didn't uh, 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 care for the house of the Lord. And that's what had given them their identity, this this place of, of worship. So thus says the, the, the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much, but you've brought in little. You've eaten, but you haven't been satisfied. You've drunk, but you haven't been exhilarated. You know, nothing's working for you. T to honor the Lord, seek, Jesus says it this way, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. You know, the first thing you need to do is seek seek God and his righteousness. And and the rest will be added. So that's a good warning for us, you know, that we we need to to look to what God has asked for from us, and um, He'll do the rest. Well, let's go to the Gospel real quickly. Luke, the ninth chapter, the seventh verse and following. This is Herod the Tetrarch. Who was Herod the Tetrarch? He was Herod Antipas, and he was the Tetrarch, which means ruler of a fourth part. Uh, the, the inheritance of Herod the Great was divided up among four of his, of his children. Uh, the Romans didn't want all that power in the hands of one person if they could help it. So he is the son, Herod Antipas, who is the Herod who executed, the, um, who executed John the Baptist. And uh, his father was Herod the Great. Uh, he's the one who killed the babies. And his mother was Malthake, who was one of Herod's nine wives. Herod had nine wives, some of whom he killed, or one of whom he killed. So, yeah, he, he was, he, he put Hollywood uh, uh, celebrities to shame with a number of his wives. So uh, this was Herod Antipas, who was the ruler of Galilee and Perea, which was, uh, it means across the river. Uh, the area across that's literally what it means and it was uh it was a a um 
uh, largely Greek-speaking part of, of the Holy Land. So uh, that's who this is, Herod Antipas. I thought you might want to know that. When you see the name Herod in the Bible, you have to look at it as a, a, a last name. So Herod the Tetrarch, Herod the ruler of a quarter part, uh, Ark means ruler and Tet means a fourth. So heard about what was happening and he was greatly perplexed. John has been raised from the dead. Others were saying, Elijah has appeared. One of the ancient prophets has arisen. Herod says, John, I beheaded. But then who is this about who are such things? He kept trying to see him. Well, uh, um, eventually, I, I believe it was this particular Herod. Uh, he did. And uh, he couldn't perceive the royalness of Jesus. So it's a very interesting thing to me. You know, the three the three kings, the three wise men, whether they were three or whether they were kings, who knows. But they, they, they went into the palace and saw Herod the Great. And they realized he was just a, a schlock politician who murdered his way and cajoled his way into this position of great power. He was no king. And then they went to Bethlehem and in the the stable, in the, in, in the cave, turned into a barn. There they saw a poor child, and in him they perceived royalty. You know, we, we perceive royalty, uh, uh, especially the royalty of God. We perceive it, or we try to perceive it by externals. And you can't, uh, you know, you, the, the, uh, um, the Beatitudes of blessed are the, the pure in heart. They shall see God. Uh, and, uh, uh, the idea of they shall see the kingdom of God. You know, I'm always trying to retranslate this idea of kingdom as, as though it includes heaven when you die. It, it, it's most basic meaning is God's royal nature. It's our inheritance and you can't see it. Uh, unless you are given that gift by God, you know that 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 we we live so by externals. Uh, hold on, Ben. Let me pull this up here just to make sure I'm not making these things up. So um, the the um, let's see here. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is God's royal nature in the Beatitudes, uh, and and uh, this idea of of. Seeing the kingdom of God, you can't perceive the kingdom of God unless unless you're um, pure of heart and and um, poor in spirit, pure of heart and poor in spirit. Now it doesn't necessarily mean poor. I've met a lot of poor people who are not poor in spirit, and I'm not that poor in spirit. You know, a little money it might help. Well. What's money going to do? That attitude. I Did I tell you about the one person I really met uh, or knew who really demonstrated poverty of spirit? I've known a number of people who did. Uh, but uh, one of the most graphic examples is this, this friend of mine. He is now uh, gone, and I, I believe he's with the Lord. I, I, he's led, tried to lead a very saintly life. But um, he had been a drug addict, and he had gone to a rehab. I think it was a teen challenge, and he was doing some pro bono work. He was a very good carpenter and a, a fellow who liked to set up young Christian uh, 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 craftsmen in business uh, saw the work and they said, oh yeah, he's doing it He's doing it for free. He's so grateful that, that he was healed from his addiction at this place. And uh, this uh, carpenter or this, this developer uh, went and told him and said, kid, 
I'm going to make you a millionaire. I will never forget, I was visiting my folks, and, and uh, he almost ran me over. He had this old truck, and I'm cutting my parents' lawn on my day off. And uh, he almost ran me over. He jumped out of the truck and hugged me and said, I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to be a millionaire. And went home to tell his wife, and then he came back the next day, and I'm sitting uh, reading on the front porch, and he came to the front porch and said, I've decided I'm not going to be a millionaire. And I said, what? You know, he told me the story. I said, you know, what? You know, he said, no, I couldn't handle it. That's poverty of spirit. To realize that money is not the answer to all problems. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for the glitz and glitter, you're never going to see God's royal nature. You might see uh, uh, Queen Elizabeth, but you're not going to see King Jesus uh, because he was a poor man. So this idea uh, of, of, of poverty that um, this this king wants to see Jesus. And when he saw him, he was extremely disappointed. Uh, well, there you go. All right. You know, speaking of disappointment, I want to talk more about mass hysteria. I danced in the morning when the world was young. I danced in the moon and the stars and the sun. I came down from <laughs> heaven and I danced <laughs> on the earth. At Bethlehem, I oh, had my birth. And for this, we gave up Gregorian chant. All right. Uh, I, I was led to a wonderful... Oh, where'd it go? Oh, dear. Now it's being odd. There we go. Uh, uh, to an article from First Things about uh, uh, why the Novus Ordo needs Gregorian chant. Uh, in his recent motu proprio, uh, um, uh, Pope Francis called the Novus Ordo Mass the unique expression of the of the Roman Rite. Uh, but he did not state his intention that celebrations of this Mass be beautiful. You know, why did I start this whole mess, This all this nonsense about Mass hysteria? Because uh, a young man spoke to me who was on his way back. He's actually a relative. He's on his way back to the faith. And... He was not really raised in the faith, um, you know, sort of on and off, uh, but, um, you know, kind of a nominal raising in the faith. But uh, um, he started going to Mass, and it was just so, I don't know, this word may sound ostentatious, but it was just banal. It was just beige. You know, and and there was nothing beautiful about it. Uh, I remember my 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 friend Father Branken said that this this new religion has has nothing about it that would draw you to it. Uh, Beauty is very important, and <laughs> it's a great line in in this. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Um, uh, the great line in this about um, uh, those who want to keep playing the Misa, My Little Pony, in the liturgy are well-intentioned, but the silent majority of faithful Catholics are tired of this practice and embarrassed by it. In the light of the Church's enormous treasure of chant and polyphony and worthy music from our own time. In other words, if Mass isn't beautiful, if Christ is not lifted up, you know, that... Okay, let me get back to the theme here, because I, I I do want to kind of veer off into the, the idea that Sacrosanum Concilium wants us to understand the Mass. And 
and I, I, I want I want us to understand not only the parts of the mass, but what the mass is in the beginning. And this is something I've shared before. And again, take this with a grain of salt. I've never anybody but me say it, so I doubt that it's true. However, I will still say it. I remember puzzling over the question I'm often asked. If the Jews pray on Saturday, why do we Christians pray on Sunday? Well, it's the eighth day. It's the day of the resurrection. I thought... No, that doesn't, that's not, to me, that wasn't a satisfying answer. Sure, it has those meanings, but the disciples were, were observant Jews. Why would they have radically changed uh, uh, this idea that Sabbath is now a Sunday instead of a Saturday? And Sunday isn't a Sabbath. In fact, as it wasn't regarded as a Sabbath for centuries, people went about their lives and worked. It became as if a Sabbath, remember Sabbath is Saturday, it's the seventh day. It didn't become a Sabbath till centuries after Christ. What's going on there? Why did they put it on Sunday? And, you know, I, I talked to Rabbi Lefkowitz, I looked at every Jewish source I know, and finally I understood something. Jews do not pray on Saturday, they pray every day. Saturday is marked by what you do not do. Did you hear that? Saturday is marked for a Jew by what you do not do. I remember I'd go over to the Lefkowitz house and there his his uh, his family would all be, after a large Sabbath meal, they would all be laying on the sofa and I would joke, oh, honoring the Sabbath, huh? There were things you couldn't do on Sabbath. And one of those things you couldn't do was to offer a personal sacrifice. Now, the rabbis said... Uh, that uh, in the Talmud, that when the Messiah came, all the sacrifices of the law would cease, except for the Thanksgiving sacrifice. Uh, you can't offer a Thanksgiving sacrifice on Saturday. It's considered a private offering. The only time you can offer a Thanksgiving sacrifice is Passover. Passover is a Thanksgiving sacrifice. That is the one exception you can, that can be offered because it's offered for the whole people on Saturday. Um, the the uh, uh, this idea of the mass is the Thanksgiving sacrifice. Well, what do we call it? The Thanksgiving, and that was a sacrifice that it was offered to God when you were in danger of death and you had been saved from death. So the mass is the Thanksgiving sacrifice which the Messiah established after he had conquered death. So. Uh, Put that in your in your belt because uh, we got to go to a break. Uh, but I want to build on that, that this is the messianic sacrifice, the korban toda. It's not an assembly of the people. It's not a banquet. It is the Thanksgiving sacrifice, which I will talk about more tomorrow. 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. We'll be right back. The Relevant Radio Studio Line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Information about employment opportunities and their flexible premium life insurance plans available at relevantradio.com slash forester. Okay, I learned something. This isn't this isn't the word of the day, but I remember 
my friend Father Brangler says, yeah, 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 Gobblegats, which means whatever. What, what's his name? Gobblegats. And I found out from a Sicilian that that really comes from Capo de Casa, which means the head of the house, the Gobblegats, Capo de Casa. And, uh, um, oh, by the way, the producer saying that <laughs> the feast day today, Padre Pio, who I just think was one of the most amazing saints. I, I knew somebody whose cousin uh, was on the bomb crew. Uh, he loaded the plane that used to have to fly over um, San Giovanni, I think it was San Giovanni Rotondo, and dropped the bombs. For some reason, they decided that that town was strategic and they were going to bomb it off the map. And every time the, the planes uh, would go to the town, there'd be this monk on the clouds waving them away. And they finally, and they this guy said, yeah, my cousin said they always came back with the bomb bays full. They, they wouldn't drop the bombs. And uh, so they eventually took up a, uh, a, the officer who had given the order. And sure enough, there's the monk on the clouds waving away. He said, okay, enough is enough. But I actually knew somebody who was a cousin to somebody who participated in that event. <laughs> oh, Catholicism. We've got the best stories. All right, speaking of that, let's go to letters. Okay, here we go. This is from Wilma. I was listening to your show about how the Mass needs to have more meaning for the people. I, I don't know that I'm saying that. Uh, it's got all the meaning it needs. It's, 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 we just need to recognize it. A few years ago in my area, it was determined that the priest would not speak about the deceased at funeral masses. Mom was very active in our church, and the priest who performed the, performed the mass, okay, did not mention her, even though they not only worked on parish projects, but were friends. After that, I decided it was not necessary to have a funeral mass at funerals, per se, but can have it any time, and as many times afterwards. Many of the people go to funeral masses, don't go any other time anyway. Well, I'm not quite sure what your point is here, Wilma. However, it did evoke a, a, a thought. Everyone says, well, the funeral is really for the living. Not if you're Catholic, it's not. It's a mass for the repose of the soul of the dearly departed. The funeral mass, the wake is for the living, the all those other things are for the living. The mass, a funeral mass in the Catholic context, is for the dead. It is a prayer for the repose of the soul of the dead. And it is in, you know, now we do this, um, you know, there's the after-dinner roast, uh, uh, the, the eulogy. Uh, well, the guy gets up and says, yeah, Uncle Fred was great. You know, the party was always at his house, and I know that he's in heaven, and he's having a great time, having a great party in heaven. You know, oh, I'm I, I'm not sure that Uncle Fred is opening beers in heaven quite yet. So, um, no, the mass, the funeral mass is, is not, you know, that, that, that custom of the de rigueur eulogy is, is, is very, very, you know, and the canonization that goes on. No, the, the the funeral mass is not for the living. It is for the repose of the soul of the deceased. If you really believe the mass has power, then it's 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 something else. All right, let's see here. Okay. Um, oh, this is wonderful. Um, there is a um, a letter from. I'm not quite sure. This is, I think, an anonymous person. Uh, um, uh, I'll leave her anonymous. Um, uh, today, September 15th, you played a song that you said had been used during communion. I thought you might be interested to know that the song Oceans by Hillsong was sung during communion this past Sunday at 
name name shall not be named Catholic Church and place that shall not be named and uh of course gave me the link to the mass to the song Ocean's Hill well Ocean's Hill it's just a lovely song and the lyrics of it uh, uh yeah 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 oh Jesus you're my god I will call upon your name keep my eyes above the waves my soul will rest in your embrace I am yours and you are mine Oh, it's just lovely. And the song melody is just, it, it'll rip your heart out. It's even more beautiful than My Little Pony. Um, give me a break. You know, there's nothing about repentance here. There's nothing about the... Uh, it's just, this is a song that, that oh, it's just beautifully emotional. And, of course, it's only real if you feel it. You know, this is, it's not a real presence. It's only real, this was played after communion, to help people feel Jesus was there. Because it's only real if you feel it. You see where we're going with this nonsense? It's just nonsense. Yeah, 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 Jesus, you're my God. Oi, Gewalt. So, I don't know quite the, the viewpoint of the, the the sender of that letter, but I have a feeling that... She would agree with me in that. Now, this is a this is a tough one here. This is really tough. Um, I live in Florida. I'll leave this anonymous. Uh, to be near my elderly mother, I'm a practicing Byzantine Catholic. My mother is uh, in the non-denominational denomination. You know about the non-denominational denomination. It's essentially Baptist evangelical with hints of Pentecostalism. Uh, but um, I always call it the non-denominational denomination with roots in Lutheranism. And mother says oh she's going to ask to go to communion um uh she's been coming to mass with me and she's going to want to go to communion what what do i do uh, um you know i would say, have a discussion with your mom saying mom you can't go to communion even if you were to receive the eucharist it's not communion communion means intense union and that's dishonest because you're not in union with with you know by by taking this in you're taking in the pope and you're taking in all the you, you know we believe the church is the body of christ you're not only taking jesus into you you're taking jesus and his bride the church is that what you want then good i'm glad we'll start the classes uh, for the right of christian initiation for adults so you can become a catholic and just i say this all the time remember when you take communion when you t to receive the Holy Eucharist, better put, you're saying that as Jesus lays his life on this altar for me, I will lay my altar, my life on this altar for Jesus and his bride, the church, and for the salvation of the world. In other words, you don't get communion. You don't even uh, get the Eucharist. You go to Mass in order to give. You complete the sacrifice of Christ in your own life. We talked about this yesterday. You don't go to Mass to get something. You go to Mass to give something, to give yourself to Christ and his church. And if you do that, you will get something. But understand what you're doing when you go to communion. You are promising to give your life for the Catholic faith uh, with the most solemn oath. Give your life for the Catholic faith. I don't know. It's kind of confusing these days. Do you realize St. Thomas More gave his life for the Catholic faith in a time of great corruption. And we've been blessed with, with wonderful popes in our times, with, with um, though we have so much so many troubles in the church, we live in an era of saints and, and martyrs and 
things are not as bad as people like like me might 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 think or you might think Thomas More gave his life for a church that was in incredible crisis and that's what you do when you come up and receive the holy eucharist you're saying if need be i will die for for the for christ for his bride that community of faith and for that institution to die for an institution yes so uh, mom are you willing to do that uh, or are you just are you just lying it's a matter of 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 intellectual uh honesty and integrity i think that's a very important thing to understand Okay, let's see here. Oh, this is this is a good one, <laughs> and I'm on your side. This is uh, I'm going to leave this as anonymous. Also, why do so many parishes require parents to attend meetings when they are preparing their children for first communion? I think this makes sense with your first child, but we had six children. We belonged to the same parish for two decades, but each time we had a child in the year of our, their first communion, we were required to attend the same meetings, watch the same videos, listen to the same stuff. It got annoying. I'm on your side. I don't understand it. Um, that that uh, Back when the Second Vatican Council was fresh, we were explaining everything to everyone. We had commentators at Mass. Now the priest will go up to the altar. It was like a, it was like you know, what is that? What they this they do the color the color commentary on? Now the priest is looks like he's falling over, but he's not. He's just genuflecting. They would do this, and of course we had to have all these meetings to explain everything. There comes a point when it becomes ridiculous. Maybe the first two children, but uh, I agree with you. Enough as they say, is enough. All right, we are going to go to a break. We'll come back with a word of the day, and uh, we'll take phone calls at 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. We'll be right back. The Relevant Radio Studio Line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Information about employment opportunities and their flexible premium life insurance plans available at relevantradio.com slash forester. Just over, over in the glory land there we Yes, with the mighty host I'll stand Over in the glory land Just I love this song. Over in the glory land, I love this song. That's a great song. The glory, I get goosebumps when I hear it. All right. You know, before I go to the word of the day, there's one more letter I do want to deal with. Just uh, Michael wrote in, is it acceptable to sing God Bless America as a recessional song? We sang the song Labor Day weekend and everyone clapped at the end. Well, I don't particularly approve of clapping at the end. But yeah, the point I'm trying to make is the entrance song, that's before Mass. The exit song or the recessional, that's after Mass. Sing your little hearts out. Sing all the verses. It's not the Mass. Now, if you were to have sung it at the offertory, that would, that's, you know, you're not singing the Mass. Uh, uh, you know, the songs, we have four songs, something to do while the priest is up there doing whatever he does. That's not participating in the Mass. But a nice entrance, a nice recessional, go for the gusto. Why not? Uh, so, yeah, it's fine to sing God Bless America, and I hope he does, because we need it. All right, let's go to the word of the day. The word of the day may not have caused much provocation, uh, but we read the prophet Haggai 
criticizing people because is it time for you to dwell in your old paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? In other words, this house, the word for house uh, is is uh, the, the temple was always called the house. To this day, the, the temple mount is called Har Habayit, the, the mountain of the house. When they talked about the house, and we read that in the New Testament, uh, your house will, will be desolate. It's probably referring to the temple. It was the house. However, that's not the word of the day. It's paneled. I wondered what in the name of sweet heavenly glory paneled was about. It's, 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 it's paneled. I mean, what does the prophet Haggai have against paneling? Naughty pine can be quite tasteful. Well, the word really means uh, a covering. Uh, It probably is referring to the wood beams of, of the, um, of houses because wood was really precious. We read at the end of the passage, thus says the Lord, of hosts consider your ways go up into the hill country bring timber and build a house that that wood was rather precious and it didn't it was a fairly dry climate and to get a tree useful enough with which to build a house beam well that was kind of rare so i would translate now i may be wrong about this again take it with a grain of salt but i would take out the word paneled and put in the word snug you is it time for you to draw in your own snug houses? In other words, your well-roofed houses, while this house lies in ruins, you know. And we do that. We make sure our own houses are nice and snug, um, but the house of the Lord maybe not. So let us let us uh, build the house of the Lord. Uh, you can't build the kingdom, but you can build uh, uh, build the house of the Lord. All right, let us go now to phone calls. Hello, Newman. <laughs> Newman, <laughs> it's Mildred, not Newman. That's from Jerry Seinfeld. Mildred, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. Good. What can I do for you? Um, I just wanted to have your advice. Um, my I, my brother, seventy one years old, he fell, and um, I'm trying. Oh. I do want to go see him. Um, like maybe once or twice a month, but his wife is practicing voodoo, and she might be putting evil spirits oh. in him because she doesn't. She wants to insult. Uh, um, she doesn't want anybody to go see him. So I don't know what to do. And if I go to report him well, to one of those amuse, um, uh, abuse uh, um, senior citizens, they're not going to believe me about the voodoo part. They might not, but what I would do is this. I would go and visit him and just wear a nice St. Saint, uh, Benedict's medal. You know, it'll tell the devil to mind his own business. And uh, that's what I would do. And, and just keep praying for him. You know, remember what the Bible says, that greater is the one that is in you than the one that is in the world. So, so if you're in a state of grace, uh, and prayed up, you have nothing to worry about for yourself. And I would go and offer to pray with them uh, whenever whenever you go. Uh, so, so And don't even offer, just do it. Say, I'm going to say a prayer for you. And hold his hand and say, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the Glory be. That's simple. That's what I would do. So I hope that helps a little, Mildred. And I will be praying for you and for your brother. God bless you. Who have we got now, dear voice in my head? Mary Jo from St. Paul, Minnesota. Are you with us, Mary Jo? Yes, I am, Father. Thank you for taking my call. 
Is this the Mary Jo that I know, or is this... Hello, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I think... I know a Mary Jo. I know a Mary Jo in... in, in, in uh, in Minneapolis, St. Paul, I, I'm. I don't know that you're the one I know, though. But at any rate, what can I do for you, Mary Jo? No, I'm not the one that you know. But um, oh you know, well. Well, now we do. Go on. <laughs> well, yeah, we do. Um, we're making our own pilgrimage yes. here. We're um, doing a pilgrimage for Saint Saint Joseph, and we're on our way to the shrine, mm-hmm. um, Our Lady of Good Help Shrine. And we were talking about oh, wonderful. For people. And one of the things that came up was when you pray for someone or pray over someone, as a lay person, should we touch the person when we're praying over them? Or is that something reserved for a priest? No, it's it's not reserved for a priest. Uh, you can you can uh, you can pray over someone, lay hands on them, but you have to be very discreet about it. You know, I I wouldn't do that to a perfect stranger. You know, because the times are peculiar. Um, if it's someone you know well, then no problem. But if it's a stranger, you know, they might have issues about about being touched, and so you have to be careful. Uh, the very least is, would you mind if I prayed over you? Uh, and, and if they say, oh, no, that would be fine, then just discreetly lay a hand on a shoulder or on the head. That That is not reserved to a priest. Uh, um, certain sacramentals are like the anointing with oil can get very confusing. I've known in the prayer groups people anoint with oil. Sometimes that can get confusing because people think it's the sacrament of the sick. But, you know, um, but the laying on of hands, it, it's not that is not reserved to a priest uh, as far as I know. So does that help? Yes, it does. That answers our question. Good, good. Now you're going to go to you're going to go to the shrine of Our Lady there. Are you also going to go in uh, Green Bay to the uh, the the shrine of Saint Joseph? Yes, yes, we are. That's where we're going first. It, it's oh, it's it's lovely. I've been there. It's a very a very wonderful place to pray. Very peaceful. Both of them are. I love those places. So, well, good. Say a prayer for me while you're there, all right? And could you say a prayer for we this little three-year-old I prayed for at the beginning of the show? His, his, his name is Miles, and he's been taken to the emergency room. I know his, his parents, and, and they're young parents, and it's a little scary. All right, Miles, if you'd say a prayer for him, I'd be grateful. All right, thanks so much for calling in, and, and uh, 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 thanks for the all you do. Okay, who we got now, dear voice in my head? Joe Good from morning, California, Father. are you with us? I also, I also yes, know Joe's in California, Father. but what can I do for you? Good. What How can I do you for today, you? Good. Pretty good, Father, pretty good. I've been oh, good, good. I've been blessed with the mission of being in Jesus' presence before him in the Blessed Sacrament every single day. And it's wonderful. How wonderful. And, oh, that is a and gift. Father, that is a gift. Oh, it is. And Father, whenever I, there's times I have to go or I have to leave, not leave, leave. I mean, I'll go and I'll either get something to eat or um, something perishable. And, um, or any time that I, that I, that I have to separate from Jesus Father, it's horrible. I feel like I'm really deserting him and turning my back on him. And then I'm wondering how much 
should I be fasting? Should I be doing more fasting? And 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 that's something I I just well, Father, I cannot figure it out. Well, you know, you gotta you gotta remember that 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 you know for for the lord every i always say every moment is now and every place is here you may not feel his presence when you are not before the blessed sacrament but you're still in his presence not as powerfully but you know you're you're never away from him and and uh um so just understand you have to live in this world uh but he did say behold i'm with you all days until the end of the world so you know, you live your life, you know, you got to eat, you got to, you got to do your job, you got to take care of people who God's given you to take care of. And, and, you know, for me to neglect the necessities of life, it can be kind of a spiritual gluttony. So when you have to leave the Lord, just say, Lord, I'm offering this sacrifice for you. Even it's a sacrifice for me to leave your presence, but I'm offering it for the well-being of your soul, or uh, I'm offering for the well-being of your church. So, you know, even, even when we're disappointed in our prayer life, it can be an offering to the Lord. So th- thanks for calling in and, and, and keep it all in your prayers. That's a real gift the Lord's given you. So who we got now, dear voice in my head? Oh, Kate in Wheaton, Illinois. Are you with us, Kate? Hi, yes, I am. Okay. Good. Um, what can I do I'm for you? Help me out. Um, I'm a, a jewelry um, maker, putter together, and I'm a, a newer, like five month old uh, convert to Catholicism. And mm-hmm. I really enjoy seeing Jesus on the cross as opposed to, a, a, mm-hmm. a, you know, a blank cross. And uh, sometimes mm-hmm. I will take. Um, Rosaries, many of them are broken. They're all vintage. I have mm-hmm. a bunch of stash like yeah. that that I, I reuse for jewelry, and some are intact. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if it's sure. okay to use the parts and pieces to make new pieces that I can can give as gifts and sell. Oh, certainly it is. That's not a problem. When, when a, an object that's blessed, such as a rosary, loses its function... In a sense, it is no longer the object which was blessed, so it's not blessed anymore. Now, when that we don't apply that to say the consecration of the Blessed Sacrament, that that's a permanent change, but a blessing has to do with the function of of a religious object, and so you shouldn't worry about it on that count. And it certainly isn't irreverent. What you're doing is taking things that that have a sacred meaning and repurposing them and kind of extending the meaning. I think that's lovely. That's not a problem. Does that help? It, yes, it gives me such joy to do it. So I I really appreciate it. Thank yes. For, oh, yeah. Declaring that oh. up for me. Yeah, I, I mean you're you're renewing their purpose in a way cuz being cast off or broken or 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 not in use they're not being used for their purpose. So you are extending their purpose. And I think that's a lovely thing. So God bless you. And I hope you're, you're having fun as a Catholic. It's, it is, it is, there's so much in in the faith. And I, I, I'm delighted to hear that you're, you, you're on that adventure. God bless you. And, uh, uh, God, God prosper your work and, and may it be a blessing to people who get those gifts. Thanks for calling in and thanks for listening. Who have we got now, dear voice in my head? Maria from Las Vegas. Are you with us, Maria? Good morning, Father. Good morning. What Father, do good for morning. You? 
I appreciate all the teachings that you have. I really uh, learned a lot from you. In Las Vegas, I go to about three Eastern Catholic Rite churches. And oh, one of yes. the um, one of the priests in another in an Eastern Catholic Rite mentioned, if one is born and raised in the Roman Catholic Rite, um, mm-hmm. one has to be re-registered in the Eastern Rite to be like, for example, I'm Roman Catholic, but during this pandemic, I have found so much solace in an Eastern Catholic mm-hmm. rite. Yeah. And that was a Maronite yeah. church. Does that mean that I have to go oh, yes. and start from kindergarten over there? <laughs> no, 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 no. If you wanted to uh, receive sacraments such as marriage or have family baptized, you know, your children baptized or, or that sort of thing, um, uh, you would probably should re-register as a as a an eastern right catholic but no you to, to simply attend the mass and to uh to uh receive holy communion and and certainly the sacraments of, of forgiveness such as uh confession that no that's fine we are the same church uh the byzantine and 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 the uh and the the, the latin rite uh uh, no, if you were to make a permanent move, you might want to re-register and ask about the process. But no, just to go to Mass there and receive Holy Communion, uh, no, you don't have to. I don't believe you have to re-register. If I'm wrong, if there are any Maronites listening, uh, Maronites are, are uh, uh, principally in the area of Lebanon. Of course, they're spread throughout uh, throughout the country now. And, and the Eastern liturgy is so very beautiful. So I, I, I think I can understand how it's very comforting to you. So, um, but no, I don't think re-registration is necessary unless you wanted to participate fully in their sacramental life. So I hope that helps. And again, if I'm wrong, I would like to hear uh, that I'm wrong. All right. I think we're about to go to Drew, who is, who is, he's, he's, he just prays, so he's not wrong. I mean, I, I love that Divine Mercy Chaplet. There's nothing wrong about that. All right. Stay tuned for Drew. I, am I hearing music in my head yet? I don't think so. Oh, I got 30 seconds. <laughs> the voice in my head just said, "If I, is that music? Okay, 30 seconds isn't long enough to tell a joke. <laughs> 